This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to UBS Global Research Pod Hub, a channel that shares insights from economists, strategists, and equity analysts on the pivotal questions and events shaping today's markets. My name is Kelsey Persley, the Teleco Media and Internet Sector Specialist, and I am super excited to be joined by Lloyd Walmsley, our U.S. Internet Analyst. Great to be here, Kelsey. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, Lloyd, looking back since your launch last December, tech has really taken a back seat. How is investor sentiment in this space? It's a great question, Kelsey. I'd say it's among the worst I've seen it in the last 20 years, with maybe the exception of the great financial crisis. Uh, There's been a lot of concern out there among investors in the space around a number of different areas. Things like, obviously, recession risks are at the top. Uh, rising interest rates and what that does to multiples for growth stocks, uh, privacy changes on these big mobile platforms that have been muting the effectiveness of social media, uh, questions around the durability of the travel recovery for the online travel agencies. And then, you know, really stepping back, these companies are much more penetrated than they were during the last downturn in 0809. So you look at something like online advertising in the U.S. is already uh, over 50% of the overall ad market. And so there are new questions really around the durability uh, or, or what inning we're in in the secular growth and what happens on the other side of the cycle, uh, whatever ultimately that, that looks like. So lots, lots of concerns out there right now. And now are you finding that there are any signs of life? Well, there are pockets of interest. So e-commerce companies uh, in the ride share space, which we'll touch on later. And then there is some optimism that next year, uh, the online advertising companies will show re-accelerating growth in the revenue. But we have to get through some tough comps in the second half of this year first. Totally. So let's start with digital advertising. The stocks have taken a big move lower this year. Are there any bright spots here? That's right, Kelsey. It's been a tough year for the online ad names, uh, and there's really a couple big themes. Uh, for starters, they're really tough comparisons. So during the pandemic, we saw this big shift in consumer behavior online, right? Everyone was cooped up at home, spending money on goods, uh, not really able to spend on services and travel. So uh, in addition to, to, to kind of that spending, no one wanted to go out and stores were closed. So we saw a large shift to e-commerce. And after this initial pullback in advertising right at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, ad dollars really started to chase this demand in e-commerce. And so what you saw in 2021 was probably the best year in global advertising growth in 50 years. And digital specifically saw large gains as part of that. So now we're in a bit of a period uh, digesting those gains. You have stores have reopened uh, online Commerce is, is you know went through this period where it didn't grow much. In some cases, uh, companies reporting negative online growth year over year. But we're now finally in, in into a spot where that has leveled off, and uh, the advertising names still have some tough comps in the second half. But uh, it seems like there's there's some bright spots on the horizon there. Okay, what are the other big themes in the online ad space? 
Yeah, I'd say there's really two things that that investors are talking about a lot and companies are facing. And the first one would just be uh, what are called privacy headwinds to online advertising. The second would be uh, the rise of short form video. So, you know, if you if you step back, the social media platforms have grown massively over the years on the back of advertising infrastructure that allowed them to serve super relevant ads to people and then track the ad impression to an ultimate purchase. And so that that in the industry known as the closed loop really drove a big shift of ad dollars into social media. The ads just worked and they worked for the smallest business could find the right audience and get an ad in front of them and, and drive a purchase. That feedback loop has been partially broken. So some of the biggest mobile operating systems, you know, you may have seen these pop-ups saying, would you allow this app to track you in other apps? And most people are saying no to this, and it's making it harder for social media companies to both target users with the most relevant ads for them, and then it's impeding their ability to track how that ad is ultimately driving a purchase behavior. And so what we've seen over the last year since these changes went into effect is social has been losing market share of ad dollars as there really have been yet to be any meaningful quick fixes to get these platforms back to the same level of targeting and performance attribution alongside these new privacy restrictions. So, you know, on the flip side, what we've seen is paid search and retail media have been gaining share of ad dollars and continue to outpace social media. And that probably continues this year. Uh, we've seen companies more focused on, on the brand and the smaller platforms really struggle versus the direct response focused ads like search. You know, it's easier for a company to cut back brand spend in digital than it is in traditional media like TV. So you've seen these, these smaller platforms and brand focused platforms underperform uh, fundamentally. Uh, you know, so it's been, it's been tough now stepping back. You know, we do, we do see, you know, the midterms coming up, political dollars should start to, to really ramp up into the midterms. Uh, there's been a lot of press on how, you know, there's more money in politics than ever before. Uh, so that, that could help for sure. And then, you know, comps uh, are starting to really ease for the social media players. Uh, that could help, too, as we look into the second half and into 2023. But uh, it has been a, a tough, a tough year. Great. So let's switch over to e-commerce for a second. We all know that e-com saw a big pandemic boost. How has it held on to these gains? Yeah, it's been it's been fascinating to watch. I mean, the pandemic drove this multi-year pull forward in demand shift from offline to online. So, you know, you saw online penetration in the U.S., for example, go from what was just under 10 percent of, of retail spend in 2019 uh, to, to a peak of about 16 percent in in 4Q of 2020. It's come back a little bit as stores reopen. So we're now at about 14% today. So there's been some consolidation as stores have reopened and some habits have started to revert to in-store shopping. Uh, but you know, we're now at this point where the most difficult compares are behind these companies. They will ease further throughout the year. So we're seeing 
revenue growth in the outlooks for the second half show faster year-over-year top-line growth. We're also seeing a lot of the pandemic-related issues get resolved. So we, we obviously, uh, everyone knows about the supply chain challenges. You know, there are still some issues, but it's not as bad for certain marketplace models uh, where sellers are really third-party merchants selling on the platforms versus traditional retailers that have to stock inventory. Uh, you've, you, you've seen problems with overcapacity and inefficiency at e-commerce start to get resolved uh, through you know, attrition in fulfillment centers, getting out of leases, and to some extent, top-line growth is growing into capacity. And then another big headwind that, that e-commerce companies have faced, rising energy costs, you know, they're starting to trend in the right direction. So you're seeing less pressure on energy costs. Uh, and that, you know, if that continues, uh, that eases some of the margin pressure these players have been seeing. And and then lastly, you know, some, some of these players have started to pass along these higher costs, whether that's to third-party sellers, whether that's to consumers. We think profitability should start to improve into the second half and in the next year in the e-commerce space. Awesome. So now what about Rideshare? What's going on there? Are people out and about now using Rideshare and how has reopening impacted food delivery? Is everyone eating out or no longer ordering in? How are you looking at the space? Yeah, so it's it's been an interesting roller coaster in Rideshare and food delivery. So it's interesting. Last year we had the recovery really start and people started to get out and about. But what happened was uh, we, we kind of got prematurely excited. So the platforms all had to provide an extra boost to incentivize drivers to get back on the road. There was a reluctance out there uh, to get back on the road with lingering concerns around the pandemic. The government was still putting a lot of stimulus into the system. So uh, it was hard to get people off the couch. We now have drivers back on the road. Uh, surge pricing's come down uh, to a large degree. And, you know, with inflation running where it is, you're also hearing a lot of people say, hey, I need to make a little bit more money. I'm going to do some driving on the side. So in short, the supply and demand balance is back. Uh, so we continue to see recovery and kind of rideshare bookings overall, a better supply and demand balance uh, means profit margins are moving in the right direction. You're also seeing, you know, some of the private companies in the rideshare and food delivery space are having tougher time raising funding. And so what that's doing is as these private companies focus more on profitability and preserving their, their runway and cash, it's getting a little less competitive in terms of things like couponing and discounting. So uh, you're seeing that help the, the rideshare space profitability as well. And then and then lastly, look, the, the companies themselves uh, that are public are acting with more of a profit focus. So you're really seeing uh, these businesses both recover in terms of uh, profit profit margins. Now, turning to your question on food delivery, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think if you had asked us a year ago, if we had this level of uh, reopening, how how would the food delivery companies hold up? And we we would have said, hey, we'd be surprised to see this level of strength. And they really have uh, held up quite well, particularly in the U.S. 
Now, there are pockets of slower growth, again, on the, on the bookings basis, uh, but you, you've seen it hold up remarkably well. It's, it's very habit-forming to order delivery. And then, again, similar to Rideshare, the, the companies do seem to be benefiting from more competitive rationality. So you're seeing uh, a trend towards you know, better margins across the food delivery space globally, which is helping bring bring life back uh, to, 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 the, to some of the, the companies in this space. Great. So lastly, let's just talk about travel for a minute since we have all experienced or have read about these insane flight delays and airport problems. Is this actually a result of booming travel or is it a result of people starting to really rethink the, their travel plans? Yeah, it's a great question, Kelsey. We we definitely see uh, the the online travel space as a as a at a bit of a fork in the road, and you've got uh, you've you've had a big boom in travel over the last call it twelve months, and and on top of that, what we've seen in two Q results from a lot of the travel companies we cover in the online travel space is there was a big pull forward in booking activity into the second quarter, uh, big gains relative to 2019 in the second quarter. And I think what we're seeing is consumers are looking to book earlier now while accommodations are still available and to get ahead of rising prices. So if you rewind to last year, everyone was a bit reluctant to book because they never knew when the next border was gonna get closed. And so people were booking kind of last minute and in the summer of last year, we ran into problems with availability and pricing started to go crazy. And so what we saw this year was a pull forward in into the second quarter. So we saw a big recovery in booking activity versus 2019 levels in 2Q, but exiting the quarter in June and the start of July, things were a little bit weaker. We took a step back in that kind of recovery versus 19. And so the big question we're getting is, is, is this the beginning of the end of the travel recovery? Are we starting to see fatigue among consumers, whether that's flight delays, whether that's pricing? You know, Are we starting to see the beginning of maybe some macroeconomic weakness impacting consumers in the travel? Or was this just people booked early and so it, it pulled forward demand and so it, it's more as, as you think about it uh, over the course of staying when revenue is recognized it will show up more evenly and show a, a consistent recovery. We tend to think it's it's more of the latter, a pull forward. When we when we look at other factors uh, people are focused on and pricing has been a big tailwind for the online travel agencies, their revenue model is basically to take a percent of bookings. And so when hotels and vacation rental owners raise prices uh, for whatever reason, these guys clip a benefit. So, yes, their marketing costs also tend to move higher, but they are great businesses uh, in terms of. Uh, insulation from inflation. So uh, those are some of the big uh, trends we've seen in online travel. Great. Thank you so much, Lloyd, for the exciting conversation. And thanks to all of you for visiting the UBS Research Pod Hub. That was an overview of the current U.S. tech landscape with me, Kelsey Persley, and Lloyd Wamsley. Make sure you tune in again for more investment insights. 
This content has been prepared by UBSAG, its subsidiaries, and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation, nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content and has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regulatory, or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2022. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.